Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yes, that's right. It's good to be home. Welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Folks, I am fresh from vacation, also fresh, fresh from the movie theaters, so I have a lot of things to talk about in this uh, little opening part that we do. Fran, I just left the movie theater. As a matter of fact, got me an icy right here, a little mm-hmm. blue blast, a little bit of che- wild cherry on top of that, you know, I like the mix. Mm-hmm. Just saw us. Yeah, I figured that. Uh, it was getting mixed reviews. I don't know why. I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I thought the acting was great. I thought Lupita Nyong'o did a, a great job. So I don't really know where... Was it good? Was it great? It was good. So but like the, a strong good. It the, was a strong good. But, is it living up to the hype, though? Well, I don't know where the hype came from. I guess just because it's Jordan Peele. <laughs> I didn't understand. Because people were like, it wasn't... You know how people... Thursday night, like uh, people that saw the midnight feature, so you got to start do- dodging the spoilers. People being like, "It, it wasn't all that." Uh, I don't, but I don't know what they're comparing it to. Mm-hmm. If you don't compare it to anything, I thought it was a good movie. I didn't think it was pretty good or all right. It was a strong, good, mm-hmm. borderline, really good. But the acting was great, and everything made sense. It wasn't this complicated thing. It was like. You went to see a movie, it it hit everything you need. If it was too complicated for somebody to understand, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't really know where your headspace is at. It wasn't a super complicated movie. Mm. But I thought it was a I thought it was a good movie. Uh I thought Get Out was I thought Get Out was a good movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't I liked Get Out a lot, but it I didn't think it was uh mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was a good movie. Just like I think Us is a good movie. One thing Jordan Peele does really well is like he takes a concept that you've seen in a movie mm-hmm. before, even a bunch of times, and does it, but makes it his. So, like, Get Out was the Stepford Wives. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a movie I've seen before, but also I've never seen before because it was through his eyes. Mm-hmm. He made it his. This movie was like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You know? I don't think that's a spoiler to say that. I think the trailer kind of... but. By the time by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, this is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But it's not like Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it's fully... Jordan Peele's vision and he makes it his own mm-hmm. but it he takes move where so you he takes storylines that you've seen and understand before it would almost be like the story of Hansel and Gretel but then somebody takes that story of like a witch wants to take kids and then the kids kill the witch but then they do it in a whole different way like it's not witches now it's something else mm-hmm. and instead of kids it's this but it's the same it's the same story arc mm-hmm. he does a really good job of that so it it wasn't 
something I've never seen before, but at the same time, it was because of what his vision does to it. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was a good movie. I recommend it to anybody. And, and it is uh, on its way to breaking all kinds of records. $70 million opening weekend. Yeah. So that's another hit for him. I The reason I'm so excited about this movie is I think this is this is a, a do or die moment for a lot of you find out who a really good director is with their third movie. Mm. So he came out, hit really hard with uh, Get Out. Nobody saw it coming. He was the funny guy or whatever, uh, Key and Peele, and then he blew our minds with that. Mm-hmm. This movie, it had to stand on its own, so people go, compare it to Get Out, whatever. I liked it, but I liked it. I like to see what he's going to take from whatever backlash he gets from this and then what he's going to take and do in the third one. Because mm. you gotta, you got to stumble a little bit to get better. So if he would have just came out there, oh my God, like, and then people pretty much are though. Everybody's being like, it's got like a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes and all this kind of stuff. So it's not like it's a flop, mm. but I have heard people mixed, I have heard mixed reviews. That's the guy goes. That's going to come, but I didn't hear mixed reviews would get out. A lot of people were like, I don't want to see some kind of racial movie. So it was a lot of people who just didn't see the movie, but when that movie came out, it was like a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I don't think this movie's going to be as much as a straight-up phenomenon. I think people are going to go, okay, he had his one, so now we can be a little more brutal this time and be harsh critics and stuff. And I think he's going to take that, and I want to see what the third movie looks like. Mm. I want to see what he, what he learns from this and then what the third movie's going to be. That's what I'm really excited He'll for. He'll come out with a comedy, and then y'all look stupid. This kind of was... It, all of the... Like, Get Out was funny a little bit, and this movie was funny. You know, like, it had funny... You know, M'Baku's in it. Thick Daddy M'Baku from Black Panther. Oh, yeah. All the girls were going crazy for him in the first one because, you know, uh, the Thick dudes have been in for a while now, and he was one of them. They, you know, they called him Thick, thick Zaddy. And uh, what? In Black Panther. Oh. They probably called him that in this, too. I, th- I don't think he lost the name. He's <laughs> Thick thick Zaddy M'Baku. Hmm. I think that's just one of his names now. Winston Duke is his name. He plays the dad in Us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was his name when Black Panther came. Ooh, he's the big guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, no, I, I don't know where the criticism came from. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I definitely would recommend it. I'd see it again, even. It was fun. It was a fun movie theater movie. You know? Myself? No, me and Sierra went. We oh, just got okay. back. Uh, and you know, it was one of the things, girl, shut up. You know, like people, it was one of those. It wasn't a ton, even though it was. And matinee? Look, man, black people are going to find a way to uh, (laughs) have their moment to shine. I mean, did you turn around? No. Did you go, you know? No, no, no. I let it be. It it wasn't, because it wasn't fully packed. Oh, okay. But it's always somebody. That's why I'm surprised though. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Oh, it's always somebody that's like, I came here to get my five minutes. Really? But nobody did, like, nobody hit a home run. But a lot of times it's just clowns, mm-hmm. you know. But so today I wouldn't say it was clowns, but people, you know, definitely thought they got one off and nobody laughed and just continued to be quiet. <laughs> so, but it wasn't insane. But my point is the movie was good. Go see it. Don't go see it. I don't really care. But, you know, uh, I don't think it was I, like my mom, Sierra told me while we were on the way to the movies, like your mom told me somebody told her that this movie sucked. Mm. Like, like that's a harsh statement. Yeah. Definitely wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. It's far from suck. It was very. It was. It was. It was borderline very good. Mm. And that's all I got to say about that. Um, other than that, I don't really have any big big news to talk about. Anything like that. Uh, how you been over the last week? For how you been? Been good, man. Been pretty jealous of you guys, but you know, congratulations. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost forgot. I didn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, did it big. Forgot. Yeah, big pimping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spinning the G's. Yeah, we just got back. The PJ landed uh, uh, this past Tuesday. 
uh, a trip in Ireland, uh, life-changing events, fun time, yeah. got engaged on the cliffs of Moher. Mm-hmm. I learned how to pronounce words that I didn't know. I learned that Americans aren't as big of assholes as I thought because living here um, and seeing St. Patrick's Day for all these years, I just was, I thought it was kind of racist. I was like, why are y'all wearing green leprechaun hats? Like, mm-hmm. these people aren't leprechauns. They've just lived their life. They do the same thing over there. <clears throat> People wearing red beards and big fake hats mm. and green beads. It's just a it's just a day to be an asshole. Like Universally, a, like a Celtic. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you did, the, the fighting leprechauns. The fighting yeah, pretty much. No, I mean, but it's even more funny to be walking around people. Oh yeah, happy St. Paddy's Day. Like a drunk, drunk Irish people. But uh, I would be amazed. Yeah, just it was to see it on TV all the time, but then actually be living in the experience yeah it was it was it was pretty it was pretty uh mind-blowing i drank a lot of guinness uh saw the whole island we were we went around the whole island mm-hmm. it's less drove i had to drive on the last day because less was dead tired and was falling asleep driving yes oh so we had to pull over but i had the big big air boot on and it was a manual and they're on the other side of the road so they drive what do you mean oh they they drive they drive on the okay. left side of the road okay. gotcha and the car seat is on the right side yeah. and it like every car is a manual that you rent. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not a driver manual, but I had a boot on. Mm-hmm. But I had to do what I had to do because I'm not going to drive with somebody that's like, you know, like it was It was a lot of singing songs and being loud and then all of a sudden he wasn't as loud as me mm-hmm. and then you, you're driving, you know, those little bumps on the road we're driving you here like, oh, yeah, like, hold up, man. And I'm trying to be like, if you want to be my lover, you gotta get with my friend. I still sing like everything's uh, cool, and I was like, "Hey man, uh, you wanna uh, pull over? Let's just pull over." Cease, can you drive? And she was like, "I don't know how to drive a manual." So uh, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my life into my own hands. Yeah. I'm not. I know I haven't driven this whole trip because it was the last day. Mm-hmm. I haven't driven this whole week, but I'd rather drive than the person who got the hang of it be sleepy and driving. Yeah. I might not be fresh, but I'm awake." Mm-hmm. You know, I might not know the roads that well, but I'm awake and alert. So I took over, drove the last like hour back to Dublin, which is the airport, which is where the airport was that we flew out of. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great trip, man. I had a great time. Good. Uh, I think traveling is really good for the soul. And just uh, I don't I'm not saying I'm sure Ireland, just like any other country, has its own version of racism. Mm-hmm. But as an American tourist, you see, especially like a black American tourist, it's different. So I didn't see racism the way i'm used to it because they probably have an issue with like african immigrants but like a black american tourist they're like hey man how are you you want to drink like everybody was nice everybody was super friendly to tourists their their racial issues probably come from day-to-day living with some other version of black person probably like middle eastern people and african immigrants are who face the Mm. Uh, the racial discrimination there, but like a black American tour, they hear an American accent. Everybody treated me great. I'd never felt any kind of discrimination or like I was being followed around a store. And it's just really good to get out of this country and see that like you aren't treated like that everywhere, mm-hmm. you know. I, so that was really cool for me to see. Um, and again, I'm not saying like oh they aren't racist in Ireland. I'm just saying it, it's probably different, and so I I don't immediately recognize it. So Did you see I, Conor McGregor while he was there. That's no, no. Uh, I think he was probably in jail because he is from Ireland, right? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. No, big time, big time, big time, big time from Ireland. But he, he was no. I didn't, see, I didn't know. I, I <laughs> didn't just, run. I just missed him. Into him. Yeah, I just missed him. <laughs> I must have just missed him. But it was a, it was a beautiful trip, man. And uh, yes, uh, uh, as you guys can tell, we're ten minutes in. I'm back. 
Uh, I did not have to stay. Sierra said yes uh, to my proposal. And so I'm officially engaged. It was a beautiful trip. And uh, I think we have the like the bug now. I think we want to go somewhere else ASAP. Yeah. I, I mean, I was more excited if you guys getting theirs back safe than you know all the fun y'all had yeah yeah no most just so much shit going on yeah yeah no it's a crazy time especially <laughs> over there like we got there and we're all having a good time and everything and then you go turn the news on in any television there and they're talking about brexit which is this big uh so basically we got there and we were in belfast first belfast mm-hmm. is uh northern ireland mm-hmm. and in belfast there's a wall in belfast because the Protestants and the and the Christians or the Protestants and the Catholics have been at war with each other for like hundreds of years mm-hmm. in the city of Belfast. And every once in a while, except the last big thing that happened was in like 2002, like a car bomb went off. Mm-hmm. And but they've been at war. But sometimes they'll just like just start fighting again. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know that we're like, oh, man, it's cool. We're from America. and It's great to be here. But we're, we're like in a place where shit kicks off sometimes mm. but we weren't aware until the the day we left where Which the is good, though. yeah the concierge the concierge while we're packing our bags to leave to go to the next place he's like man did you guys take the tour and go see the wall we're like the wall what no oh yeah the oh yeah it's big time Bel- belfast is like split and there's wars and people fight and people die and blow shit up it's Dang. crazy i'll take you if you want to go i was like yeah, man, we might be back around. We'll, next we'll, time. Yeah, next time. I don't want to go see some <laughs> war tour. But the, my point is, Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland are two completely different things. They mm. they split it. Mm. Uh, Northern Ireland, if I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm getting it right, Northern Ireland is a part of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So Northern Ireland was was conquered by the British. And the Republic of Ireland are the people that, they're British. I mean, the, yeah, the Republic of Ireland, they're like, we're Irish. Nobody mm-hmm. conquered us. We're free. Mm-hmm. But so there's there used to be a wall between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. But then once the European Union happened, they were all like, okay, well, we're all cool. So, you know, the wall can come down. But now this Brexit thing is basically the countries that are in the United Kingdom want to break out of the European Union. But Northern Ireland is this little country Mm -hmm. that's a part of the United Kingdom. But Ireland's right there. Mm -hmm. So basically, if they leave the, the, the EU, it might cause a war between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland because it's like they're in their territory pretty much or something like that. I don't know the full details, but my whole point is we went like, oh, St. Patrick's Day and it's going to be great. And we're there and people are literally like, yeah, we don't know. uh, The money might collapse (laughs) in like a month. So we don't really know what's going on. But everybody kept a a good face on. Everybody had fun. It was a great time. I have no complaints. I wasn't scared at any point, but they definitely have their own political stuff going on over there mm. that we just kind of landed in right smack dab in the middle of. Yeah. But we still, like I said, we went, went to gay clubs and went to uh, 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 parades and had great food and went all around the country. It was a really, really good time, man. Highly recommend Ireland. Black people, don't be afraid of Ireland. We saw a few black people there. The one lady was there. She lived, She was from Texas and mm. her, her husband got her to move there mm. to Cork and just was... They just, packed, they just packed up and moved to Ireland. So they lived there. Yeah. It's cool. It was cool, man. I had a really good time, man. I, I had a lot of fun. But uh, so that was that was my recap of uh, what I've been up to the last week or so. Um, glad you guys enjoyed the the little cliffhanger moment. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, what happened? Did she say uh, yes? You know, yeah. this kind of stuff. So I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was funny. I thought I how it went in my mind, it ended up going, except that I forgot to put the video up. So people were like, hey, uh. 
can you tell us what happened? Uh, so you know, so I th- that was real funny. You guys, yeah. that 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 cracked me up. But uh, so um, what I want to do is go from that, you know, because that was pretty positive. So let's just roll right into these good vibes and get these stories off, folks. That's right, folks. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment. Really quickly, I want to give a shout out to Jordan Peele because I'm not saying he does listen to this podcast, but a little uh, Easter egg for the movie for anybody who's seen it. They do play the Good Vibrations theme song in the movie at at one point. Hmm. So I'm not saying he does, but hey, look, the proof is in the pudding. So, you know, uh, JP, shout out to you. Just salute the microphone for any all those people out there who can't see that. Uh, uh, much appreciated for you, brother. Um, also, he did a shout out to the Goonies in the movie. A lot of cool little Easter eggs. I thought were cool. He did it, so it was a little Goonies reference, and he shouted us out in the, in the movie. So, salute to Jordan Peele. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna go first on the good vibes because I'm scared that yours might be mine because this made me feel so good. I feel like you might have inherently picked the same one. Mm. So my good vibes this week is just a quick overview of a video that's going around of uh, Army Staff Sergeant Rob Sesterina. Oh, super Italian. Sester Nino, uh, when he surprised his son Lucas, uh, was he was doing karate class, mm. and his 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 sensei was had him blindfold. So everybody was in on it. Mm. So it's, it's Luca Luca was blindfolded in boxing with his uh, sensei, and then his dad comes in in his fatigues and subs in for his sensei, mm. and he's holding the pads now. So the son's punching the pads, and he's like. You got it, Luke Luke, or whatever his nickname is. And the kid's blindfolded, so he stopped. And he was like, what? <laughs> my dad calls me that. Uh, anyway, that's not my dad. <laughs> and he starts going again. And he says something again like, you know, do it like you used to in the backyard. He's like, what? Uh, what? Wait. And he goes, dad? No, no, no. And then, and then he said something else, and he took all the shit off because he had uh, like a, a blindfold and then another <laughs> thing on and he had to take the gloves off and it was and he saw his dad and mm. he, you know he went crazy and hugged yeah. his dad and started crying those videos get me every time yeah, you man. know uh, some, and sometimes uh, I don't mean to sound like a depressed person because it's, it's, it's joyful I like to just sometimes watch those kind of YouTube complications because it's good to just get a good cry out sometimes just yeah. feel just to know you're alive man just to feel see other people feel and you get those you know those uh, those endorphins flowing and you get the joy and the, the, the emotions and the sadness people finding their dogs mm. uh, people uh, coming home and surprising their families get me a lot but um, uh, one of the things that get me the most are uh, when kids ask people to adopt them like a mom's boyfriend mm-hmm. those get me like more than anything mm-hmm. you know where it's like they make them a card yeah. and it's like oh you've been around since I was five and remember mm-hmm. when we did this and he's reading their thing and then, and then the last page is like so will you adopt me? And the dad or the boyfriend always loses his shit. Yeah. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to pressure you into doing it. But yes, I would love to do. Those get me like more than anything. So it's okay to just. It's okay for a video to make you cry. You don't have to be a tough person all the time and hold it back or avoid those kind of videos and everything. It's just good to get a good cry out. Mm-hmm. And this video didn't quite make me cry because it wasn't. It was so like it was like funny. So it just it was pure joy. Mm-hmm. I loved it very much. I I don't I feel like I don't need to go into much more detail. I feel like it it's been circled around pretty good this past week. So uh, like I said, uh, uh, the the guy's name is Army Army Staff Sergeant Rob Sesternino, 
and his son Luca. They were at a dojo. Uh, if you've seen it, you know it. If you don't, I'll try to put it up on the Facebook group or something like that so everybody can check it out. But it was a very heartwarming video. So that was my good vibes this week. It just really touched me. <clears throat> that was good, man. Uh, my good vibes this week is a, is about when, when heavy snow forced a 36-year-old Oregon man to spend five days in his car awaiting rescue. Mm-hmm. He says that he was saved by some left leftover packets of hot sauce. Okay. So Jeremy Taylor had been driving through Deschutes County earlier this month when his SUV got stuck in the in the powder. Mm. Hoping that the weather would would ease up during the night, Taylor resigned himself to sleeping in his car alongside his dog Allie. Oh, dog. The next day, however, the re- the record-breaking snowfall had only made things worse. Mm. Taylor and Allie tried to hike through the snow for help, but the snow was so deep, he knew that it would be too risky to try to find help. Mm. So Taylor and Allie then hunkered down in his car and waited for rescue rescuers to arrive. The two of them spent the next five days in his car. Oh, wow. During which he would periodically eat leftover Taco Bell fire sauce for energy and turn on his car for occasional heating during the frigid night nighttime temperatures. Mm. Now, for me... This way I will fuck up is by keeping that car on. I wouldn't even cut that shit off. To the gas ring. <laughs> and then you're like, what the hell? Why'd it cut off? I left yeah. the car on so the battery wouldn't die. Yeah. Like, oh, but gas. for you to be smart enough to, you know, be 15 minutes. Gotta conserve. So, I don't know, man. Uh, also, good call on the Taco Bass, Taco Bell fire sauce. That's the best sauce from Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, but his stomach line was probably pretty fucked up. If that's what you, all you're surviving off of for five days. Um, that is wow. That's remarkable. The dog had to eat that too, or the dog just was just making do. Maybe I don't know. So um, after days of after days of slurping down Mm. um, hot sauce packets, Mm. Taylor was finally found by a snowmobile rider who discovered his car and called the Deschutes County Sheriff's Office. (laughs) Jeremy and Allie were found to be in good condition, but hungry after being stuck in the snow for five days. Clearly. The, temp, uh, the department wrote in a Facebook post. <clears throat> mm. Upon being brought back to civilization, Taylor made his his own social media post to thanks his, to thank his friends and family for the support, saying, "I'm safe. My I'm safe. My dog is safe. I really appreciate all the help. Got lucky. Let's never do that again. I'll be in touch with everyone soon." Mm. In addition to his tale of survival being shared by news outlets from around the world, Taco Bell spokesperson reportedly. Reached out to Taylor and ordered, Taco in order Bell to offer life. him a year's worth of free food. A year? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's better <laughs> than nothing. You can't get the lifetime supply card. Give you a hella free promotion. Right. Maybe a year. I survived off Taco Bell flavor. That's how much nutrients are in the fire sauce that I survived for five days. Yeah. That's a hell of a. That's a hell of a uh, stamp. Yeah. For your product, you know. Uh, so he says, though we are not yet sure whether Taylor is destined to be the new Taco Bell poster boy, he did jokingly praise the fast food chain's hot sauce in a Facebook comment saying, Taco Bell fire sauce saves lives. And for all that, they got they gave him a year of, of food. Yeah, man, but I'm sure he's just happy to be alive, man. Yeah, I get, yeah. <laughs> you know something, Fran? You put that in perspective for me. That's very true. <laughs> Yeah, very, ne- never mind. Scratch what I said. Yeah, yeah. His life is definitely. He yeah. rather. He, I'm sure he's just happy he's alive. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So that was my good vibe. Well, that's week. that's crazy, man. You get stuck in your car for five days and you survive with your man. puppy. Oh man, dogs just make a story so much more heartfelt. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, remember in I Am Legend, he had the dog, mm. and then you found that it was a girl dog. 
Yeah. That just, it does something to you extra when you, a girl dog is just so much more <laughs> precious. I don't know why. Like, like, I think the whole movie he was calling him like Sam. Yeah. And then it was like, Samantha. And you're like, oh, it's a girl. And you're like, you know, oh, no. And you know, uh, so yeah, dogs just, you know, they really heighten the stories up a, a bit. So uh, yeah, that was two good vibes. I enjoyed that very much. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Uh, in honor of March Madness uh, and the king uh, of, of all music, bigger than the Beatles, uh, future Hendrix, uh, I'm going to take us out to March Madness by future and when we come back we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit and all that kind of stuff and uh stick around whatever that fucking man All right, and we are back. Really quickly, I'm officially, before I throw it over to Fran, I'm going to officially make the announcement. Uh, starting today, from now until April 30th, for everybody out there, if you go on Apple Podcasts and leave us the best slash funniest slash whatever it could be a reference to an, a, your favorite moment in the podcast it could just be a hilarious story you want to tell i don't know go on apple podcast leave us a review the best review by april 30th we will send you a free t-shirt a free sticker um and uh really quickly in the in the lead for me right now is uh and i don't know her her uh official name but is an instagram account uh, we've been in communication with for a while it's at gardenias for martha she left us a great review and also uh l-a-d-i-n-a-h also left us a great review so shout out to two of them i'm not going to say they're in the lead but they did leave us great reviews so i guess technically they are in the lead again april 30th will be the last day i'm counting it and then uh we'll pick the best ones maybe a top we'll we'll call it uh the best three the best three reviews between now and April 30th, we will send you a free t-shirt and a free sticker. That is my word. And if you live in Australia, we'll do our best to get it to you. Isn't that right, Fran? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so with that being said, Fran, I'm going to throw it over to you. Your affirmative murder, please. All right. My affirmative murder this week is about Mr. X. Um, oh. That's his nickname. And he has another nickname. I can't seem to find it. It's called something like the, the Gay Slasher or something like oh. that. Uh, is his first is name it? DM? No, his name. What? <laughs> his name Sorry, is Howard Howard Milton Belcher. Okay, um, is a serial killer based out in Atlanta. Ooh. So Howard Milton Belcher was 26 and formally charged with with the October 5th, 2002 death of Mark Schaller, a 40 year old gay man who lived in the upscale condo on Dutch Valley Road off Monroe Drive. Mm. So in June, Belcher was sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years for the murder of a gay. Polding County man 
on October 10th, 2002. Excuse you, sir. I apologize. I'm sorry. I was a bit parched. <laughs> I was a bit parched. I'm sorry. Uh, so we would, it said we would characterize Belcher as a serial killer. Said Eric Friedley, a public affairs director for the Fulton County District Attorney. He's suspect. He's suspected in a, in a number of murders. Mm. Robbery apparently motivated Belcher during an alleged killing spree in October 2002. I want to know, I'm sure, well, let me ask you this. Do you think when people, when they say, oh, you know, is the first motivation, you know, that motivation was robbery. Uh-huh. But do you think they go in with, well, most likely I'm going to kill, kill them. this guy? Uh, I think it depends uh, if if you go in with no mask, mm-hmm. then yeah, probably I would I would suspect that if you really have that in you, mm-hmm. you would finish the job because they can identify you. Yeah, true. but sometimes shit can go wrong. You might go in with a mask and you just want the money, and they fight back, and now it turns into well, now I've come this far, and I got to defend myself, even, even though they're wrong. But they're like, this gun's here. They're fighting me. They're trying yeah. to take my gun from me, and I just wanted their money. Boom, or it's a quick split second decision. And they mm-hmm. just do something real quick. So I don't know if I, I don't know if it's, I don't think every robbery a person is looking to kill somebody. But even just last year down in uh, uh, Fells Point, there was a dude coming out of the tattoo museum, mm-hmm. and two dudes were walking down the street. I don't even know if they robbed him. I I, I think they attempted to rob him. He might have fought back or something. Shot him right there on the street. Died right there. He was real big in the Fells Point like music scene. Everybody mm-hmm. knew him, and he was. Good friends with people. I think he was a bouncer or something like that. Mm. Shot him down the street. So it could it could go either way. That's why I always say, just give it up. Because you don't know. Just give it up. It's not worth it. It's not worth figuring out if they're a coward or they're just faking or if they got their finger in a coat mm. uh, pocket and it's just a, a fake gun. It's not worth it, man. Just give it up. Cancel your cards when you get home. Give them the cash and go and live. Uh, yeah, but I feel like they might do it anyway. If they already wrote up on you. I don't know, that's that's tough. But I guess also you can you can base that on if it if it's mu- numerous occasions. If they do it three times and it's like, well, he didn't kill everybody, he tried to rob. Yeah. Think, then it's like, then they're just a killer. Yeah. Just, they were gonna do that regardless. Right, right. I'm just me. I just mean in a random encounter. Yeah, like yeah. if you're walking down the street, yeah, I would take my up. chances on a person. They just want the money. They're in hard times. Yeah. Hey man, here. You know, I don't, celebrities that die like that. Yeah, just, man. Don't like like uh, best case scenario, you fight back. And you look like a hero. Worst case scenario is you could die. Yeah. Anytime the worst case scenario is death, I'm good, man. I'll, I'll, it's not worth it to me. It's not worth the glory or owning that guy or kicking somebody's ass or whatever. When the possibility, one of the possibilities is I could die. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not worth it to me. I'm not that confident in my ability to catch a bullet or, you know, kick somebody's ass. Because you don't want to get in a tussle with somebody and you realize like, oh, they're better than me at this. Yeah. And they have a gun. Yeah. Or but also just somebody you could just get your ass beat. Yeah. That's what you don't want to. You know, I see videos of people and a lot of times bad guys, but sometimes good guys, too, or not even good guys, just people get knocked out and you get your pockets ran while you're asleep. Oh, yeah. That's nothing. That's no, nothing worse than that. You just limp body. Somebody turn you over while you're asleep and mm-hmm. take your wallet out of your pants. That's degrading, man. Price you wake up naked. Yeah, you wake up pants around your ankles. You don't have shoes on. <laughs> just th- just give them your wallet, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You got to call the Uber butt naked. Yeah. You can't. You don't want to hop in the Uber with, with your cheeks out, rubbing all against the leather upholstery. <laughs> yeah. 
I'll be, hey man, you can have this. Do you yeah. need me? You need me order something for you? Yeah, it's, hey, hey man, no problem. They don't even gotta get the whole set. Hey, give it. Hey man, you got it. I don't want to. I'll start walking away too. Put it down. Just so that I don't even give them the choice to let me live or not. I already the wallet's right there. I'm gone. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm gone. I'm gone. Here you go. Run zigzag. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shout out to um, shout out to Rickon Stark from Game of Thrones. He did not run in zigzags. You should have ran in zigzags, man. Mm. You wouldn't have died. Shout out to everybody who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, because I don't. Uh, moving on. Oh, you're so um, cool because you you don't watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> you're super cool. <laughs> no, man. I actually feel left out because I don't watch it. Well, just watch it, man. Nah. Uh, so robbery, robbery apparently motivated Belcher during an alleged killing spree in October 2002, a month-long affair that, st- that started with meeting victims at a near Bulldogs... Meeting victims at or near Bulldogs, oh. a peach a peach tree street gay bar popular among African American men. I gotta say, man, I have no judgments at all about any of that kind of stuff. I've never been to a gay bar before until this trip to Ireland. We went mm-hmm. to this place called Chambers. I had a blast and a half, man. It was, but it was like gay people, straight people, drag queens, everybody. It was just the hottest bar in in Cork, really. Mm-hmm. It, I had so much fun. It was drag queens in there, and they just being fabulous and dancing. Contests were breaking out. Les got into like four dance offs. It's a really fun time, man. They're just having a <laughs> just having a great time, and the music is loud, it's colorful and bright. And, mm. uh, I, I had a great time, man. That's so good. don't 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 take advantage of people when they're just going out to have a good time, you know. Yeah. So Belcher also faces murder charges in the death of Leroy T- T- Tyler, a 27-year-old gay man found in his Clarkson apartment. October 5th, 2002, Belcher is a suspect in the October 28th death of Artiles McKinney, a 35-year-old gay Duluth man. Duluth? Duluth, what what is that? I think that's a city in Iowa. Duluth, man. Duluth, Oklahoma? Duluth? I don't know where Duluth is. I I know the name, though. It might be in Georgia if this is I don't know Duluth. I know Duluth. I know well, the these, name. This, these all happen in Atlanta, so. Okay, well then maybe it's somewhere in Georgia then. Okay, a Duluth man, um, authority said. So Fulton prosecutors decided against seeking the death penalty against Belcher for his alleged role in the shot the Schaller slaying, and instead are pursuing a sentence of life in a prison without a possibility of parole. Belcher described himself as an HIV positive prostitute during mm. interviews. With the Atlanta Police Department, according to Detective Vincent Valsquez, he re- <laughs> scares man. Vals- you are Vals- dating. You are. You are. You are dating so a Hispanic woman. And I don't Vals- have to say that name. Vasquez. What? It's not. It's never Vasquez. Val- Q U E is never que. It's always K. All right, man. And I shouldn't have been the person that had to tell you that. And who was supposed to tell me that? Uh, Stephanie. Mm, no. Or Sophia. No. She's probably fluent in Spanish by now. So I got nothing to do with me. <laughs> nothing. Well, don't go around calling people Vasquez. You sound like a redneck. Man, whatever, man. <laughs> Vincent Val- Vasquez. <laughs> I'm a, it's my story. I'm going to say how I want. Touche. He frequented bulldogs in the area around the bar to meet tricks. Vasquez added. <laughs> Belcher's, Belcher's arrest unfolded October 30, 2002 when police in College Park College Park stopped Belcher while he was driving a 1994 Lexus. Also known as College Park. Yeah. Police discovered the car's owner is McKinney, um, dead in his townhouse a day townhouse a day earlier. So the guy he killed, they found him. Guy was driving around in his car, which is Super Bowl. Yeah, very um, much so. Authorities have said Belcher and McKinney met 
on October 28th, a few blocks from Bulldogs and later traveled to McKinney's home. Forensic evidence later proved, um, later proved in inconclusive and has kept authorities from charging Belcher and McKinney's death, authorities said. Mm. But as the case against Belcher expanded after his arrest, investigators sought possible links between him and other unsolved homicides. Prosecutors in Paulding County were the first to press formal formal charges against Belcher, who faced a six-day trial last June for the death of Matthew Abney, a 45 Abney who was 45, a a gay assistant manager of Walmart. Now I didn't like the way they put that. They could have just put assistant manager of assistant Walmart, assistant manager of Walmart, or well, maybe they maybe him being gay is is relevant to the story because he they, was killing. I mean, gay yeah, men. but they could have worded. I feel like they could have worded a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, gay. He, him being gay isn't what defines him. He just works at Walmart. Right. Like, you don't have to put him on blast like that. But also, it's one of those kind of things where it's like, I don't really know because I'm not gay, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't, where's the line between pride and just being like, yeah, but that's not all I do. Like, for maybe for him, it's like, like, you don't want to deny that you're gay, but also, what does me being gay have to do with me working at Walmart? Yeah. So it's one of those kind of things where it's like, I don't know, maybe he wanted, maybe. He wanted people to know he was gay. I don't know. I don't really know. Like, where's the line between, yeah, that part of me isn't really important right now. Like, Ellen DeGeneres is gay, but, like, she hosts Ellen. She's funny and she's gay. So, it doesn't always have to be, like, the gay host of Ellen, even though, yeah, she is gay, but, like, she just hosts Ellen. Yeah. So, she's just the host right now. She yeah. have, her being gay doesn't have to be, like, in the title of the announcement. Yeah, that's what I mean, but if you... Reading a story, you listening to the story. Uh-huh. I mean, he already meant they already mentioned that he met most of these men at a gay club. At a gay club. Yeah. But for you to put Matthew Abney, comma, forty five, comma, gay. a gay, you know, a gay assistant manager for Walmart. Like yeah. I just didn't like I don't yeah, I think that's pretty disrespectful you putting it that way. Yeah. But that's just me. I get it. Um Belcher told investigators he met Abney at Bulldogs mm-hmm. and the pair traveled to Abney's home. According to Tom Mallinson, a a Paulding County assistant district attorney, the pair had sex before Belcher strangled him and took jewelry and his car. Wow. Abney's hands were bound with a necktie and was and he was partially dressed and a gas oven was left on. Oh wow. In a letter to investigators, Belcher said Abney died while the two men had sex. During trial, Belcher said a third man was in a home and killed Abney. Sure. Uh you gotta come up with a better lot than that. Yeah. Again, like you said, it's just another guy. Do I have a dick on my forehead? You know. Yeah, yeah. Some dumbass. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like, don't. If they came to get you, they got their they got their their ducks in a row pretty good. If you, like, no, it was another guy was here. <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. That's okay. Yo, but then again, Casey Anthony is walking around free off of something like that. Her story was crazy. A woman kidnapped her. A Jamaican woman kidnapped the kid and. She couldn't find the woman and all this kind of... And that woman, she's walking around free right now. So, I don't know. You can try it. You can make, but you should... If you're if you're a pretty white girl, you might got a better shot of getting that off. I was about to say, this is... This is gonna yeah, it's like some ugly <laughs> dude like with a... Like a, a, a probably a greasy nose. His T-zone's probably all greasy. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. It's just like another person was here. Yeah, okay. Well, um, how about you put... You want these cuffs on... On the front or in the back. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so he said another man, a third man was in the house and killed Abney. Um, we argued that Belcher turned the burners on so that it would blow the place up and destroy evidence. Nothing ever works um, like it appeared, in a movie. Yeah, it appeared to be hit, 
a signature of his, basically his calling card. Um, Schaller was found partially nude with his hands bound by a necktie and died of blunt force injury to the neck. Also, a gas oven in his condo was also turned on and his cell phone and wallet were reported missing. Um, Belcher also faces charges in February 24, 24, 2002, robbery and kidnapping of two Atlanta men who were found with their hands bound by neckties, authorities said. Oh, wow. Um, DeKalb County authorities charged Belcher with Tyler's death last July, and Tyler was found October 5th, 2002, after being strangled with his hands with his hands tied. Mm. Police discovered Tyler's body in his Clarkson apartment bedroom under a comforter. Um his car was taken and the stove was turned on, authorities said. And I found this story because I was up at like 1230, something like that, 1231 o'clock. And mm-hmm. I was just, I went to watch um, The Last OG. Ah, oh, with Tracy Morgan? Yeah. I never watched that. It's pretty uh, funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I ended up on, uh, what's the, ID Discovery? Yeah, good and, channel. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was a show called, like, it was called... Um, Numbers by murders or some murders by numbers or something like that. Mm. And then this came on at the end. I, I think it was a commercial or something. I think they come out with a documentary or something. Ah. And then they had him in court. Yeah. And he was like, you know, we you've been charged with this, but he was like, he stood up and was like, you know, you got anything to say? And he's like, uh, uh, thanks to court, thank the court, um, and all you guys, the judge for giving me the death penalty. And, oh, wow. and she go, excuse me? Yeah, I want to thank y'all for giving me the, the death penalty. Wow. It cut off, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta look the story up." And then I looked it up, and that's how I, that's how I found it. I just was that like, quick little moment. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, this dude is bold." Yeah, I mean, it goes like that sometimes. Sometimes you just catch it in a passing glimpse. You're like, uh, "Let me remember that name. I'm gonna look that up. That might be something worth uh, checking out." Yeah, and then also I read it said that when he was like, "Oh, thanks for giving me the death penalty," he wasn't even charged with the death penalty yet. The judge was like, "I mean, you haven't been charged with you haven't been charged with some the second murder yet." Yeah, I mean, what are you talking about? Well, he was already. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, I appreciate um, it. Yeah, so that's my that's my for the murder. Howard Milton Belcher. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was a busy guy. Yeah, he was a busy guy. Wow. Rough. But uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back, and it is my turn to go. And my affirmative murder this week is the story of Mari Travis. Uh, my source is uh, an investigative article by Bill Smith, Tim O'Neill, and Bill Bryan from uh, the Post-Dispatch in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, the article is from, uh, what's six? July 2nd, 2002. I'm not good with uh, the, mo- the months with the numbers if offhand. It, if, all the it time. Ain't, if it ain't January, my birthday is December. Yeah, if it's not one of the key ones, I know it's April's four, yeah. so I go April, May, June. That's because it's yeah. your birthday. Yeah, exactly. So I, I always go for my little reference points. You know, yeah. like, okay, four, so that's five, six, seven. Okay, cool, man. So uh, it's from this This article is from uh, July of 2002. This, this, this is how I, um, what I read to get my information. So, um, <clears throat> Maury Travis was restless as he sat in the interrogation room at police headquarters in downtown St. Louis on the afternoon of June 7th, June 7th 2002. The 36-year-old waiter drummed his fingers nervously on a tabletop. He slid back and forth in his chair, sometimes pushing to the very edge of his seat, staring intently, almost defiantly, in the face of the St. Louis police sergeant, Tim Sachs. Mm. Tim Sachs, huh? Yeah, man, you can make the joke uh, 
in your heads, people, you know, sacks, ball sacks, <laughs> whatever, you know. Devil's over the plate, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, we 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 do high we do highbrow high content here. We don't do those kind of over the plate uh, <laughs> silly silly jokes. We're grown up here. We don't do toilet humor. Uh, we need you to help us. Sacks told him, "We need closure for the families of the victims." Sacks can still remember the sneer that crept across Travis's face. <laughs> victims, Travis replied. Mm. The message felt cold and clear. To him, Sachs said, these women were less than human. Mm. Nearly two weeks after Travis was found hanged inside his St. Louis County jail cell, investigators continued to sift through the pieces of his puzzling life, looking for answers to why why this seemingly quiet man, who was often seen washing his car in the driveway of his home in Ferguson, would torture and kill at least 11 women in the St. Louis area. So he killed himself? Yes, oh. I'll get to that in full detail. Good. Yes, in there. Oh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, well, yeah, 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 uh, yes. Uh, <clears throat> it may be weeks before we know more, said Captain Harry Heger, uh, the St. Louis detective who oversaw the multi-jurisdictional investigation into the slangs of local women. Most of them drug addicts and sex workers. There's still a lot to piece together. Uh, so, again... I don't know how many stories we're going to do with this, man. I don't I don't know what there is to um, I've heard a lot of people that are running for president kicking around reparations. Uh, I think that's a dumb idea. Uh, I'm not opposed to some kind of stimulus package to these inner city areas. Um, You know, I I think to do what exactly? Well, if there's a bunch of abandoned houses, uh, no workforce Mm -hmm. to have an option to do something other than sell your body, sell drugs, whatever, mm-hmm. after school programs for kids to keep them out of trouble, then it's going to lead to this perfect storm of young criminals, uh, parents not being at home because they need to find ways to provide for their family mm-hmm. or the stress of not being able to provide for your family, turning you into or turning you to drugs. Now you're walking the streets, you're not at home. These kids already don't have any kind of structure or stability as far as school or after school programs. Now they don't have any stability at home. Mm-hmm. It's a cycle. Yeah. So uh, I don't want to check for $450 or whatever kind of stupid shit people are proposing. I don't know who is. What, $450 for what? Just for reparations to black people. Quote unquote black. I don't even know what how they're going to do that if you're 50% black or more. Just or, giving out money? Yeah. That's this very stupid idea. I'm now, if we want to talk about some kind of stimulus package to predominantly black inner cities, which, you know, most inner cities are predominantly black. If we want to talk about something like that, I'm all for that. Raising money to help out Flint, Michigan, get the pipes fixed so they can get some clean water, Uh, you know, bring jobs back to Detroit. Baltimore City is a fucking mess. Tear down some of these abandoned houses so kids don't get dragged in there and get sexually assaulted. If we want to talk about stuff like that, let's have a serious conversation about that. People coming and trying to uh, pander to black people by promising them checks that are never going to come because the government's never going to just cut you a check because you're black. It's not happening. I'm not a fan of that. If we want to have a real structural conversation about things that can be done to help uh, these inner city communities that are really struck, uh, constructive and will actually help mm-hmm. then uh, getting black people riled up like, oh, they want to give us money? I'll vote for him then. I'll vote for her. She wants to give me money. You know, I just think that's very pandering and I think it's dishonest because it's not going to happen. And I don't think it's going to go to good, a good use anyway. So Yeah, no, you can't just give people money and expect them to pull themselves up. It It's money they didn't have and it's money they didn't, they didn't work for. Yeah. So it just feels like bonus money. Yeah. So they're just going to go do something bonusly, bonusy mm-hmm. with it. Go take a cruise, go buy something silly. It'll be be like getting an income tax check. Nobody does anything sensible with their income tax check. Nope. They go buy something silly because it's free money pretty much in 
people's eyes. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not a fan of that. But anyway. Uh, back to my story. Um, and like I said, the point I was making was that, oh, we've done so many of these stories where it's one person who snaps or it becomes a serial killer, and in these inner city communities, it's just a, f- a field of people who are drug addicts, people who uh, are sex workers to try to you know st- make money however they can, and uh, people don't care about these people, they don't make the news, all these kind of stuff. So it's almost like uh, lambs to the slaughter. Mm-hmm. And if you are a person who is snapped. You just have, a, oh, yeah, there's women just walking the street at four o'clock in the morning. I can just grab them and bring them here at four o'clock in the morning where there's nobody awake or mm-hmm. even lives in this corner part of town. There's so many parts of Baltimore that are like that. You can go down blocks that just nobody lives in. You could kill a person, take a board off a, a building, throw a body in there, board it back up, and nobody will find that person for months. And nobody's looking for him anyway. center myself because it just really, that really gets me fired up yeah uh <clears throat> police had to set up a separate locked evidence room just to store the catalog of items seized from travis's home included was a computer that travis used to contact an internet mapping service uh he basically what this guy did was he went on expedia because he wasn't getting attention for his murders mm-hmm. so he went on expedia.com printed out a map of where he was dropping the bodies and mailed it into uh like uh the local paper. Why Expedia? Almost, huh? Why Expedia? Cuz at the time it was like 2002, oh. that was how people got <laughs> you you couldn't just go on the uh the oh, maps right. app on your phone. You had to go print them out and it'd be like make a left on this street, oh, a piece okay. of paper, you had to read it while you drive. Yeah. Uh, man, kids just these kids today just don't even that. understand. I actually uh, forgot all about that. Anyway. Yeah, man. You had to go on MapQuest or exp- whatever, you know, and just get the directions. Yeah. Where are we going? Annapolis Mall? Yeah, print it out. And, uh, um, somebody reading it on the yeah. passenger. Uh, make a left here. Yeah. Crumble two miles, pit- yep. Yeah, uh-huh. Two miles make this left. Yeah, so... Uh, Damn. But he was... Basically, he was trying to be like uh, Hannibal Lecter or something like, oh, you guys can't find me? Here's a here's a uh, map of where I left the bodies. And I'll tell you where the next one is by the next moon or one of those kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, like taunting the taunting the people mm-hmm. to try to, you know, make a name for himself. Yeah, that's what he did. But it backfired. And let me get to that because it's actually pretty hilarious because he's so stupid. Uh, the map printed out and mailed with a the map was printed out and lail, mailed with a letter to a post dispatch reporter. And it was traced by the police and the FBI through the Internet back to Travis. Wow. So, uh, it, a code on the bottom of it. Well, his IP address, it? but it was 2002. They, nobody knew about really, you know, computers like that. He didn't But how know. was it on a paper though? Wait, what do you mean? He printed it out. Yeah. He printed it out. Is it the bottom? What? what I, don't, I, don't I don't know what you're asking. How did they trace it back to him on a sheet of paper? I don't know all the technical jargon, but basically they, they, they back, they backtracked oh, okay. it and they found his IP address and they found it. Oh, I way. thought it was like, I thought it was more simple than just, oh, this is. It was like the website at the bottom. No, no, no. It, I mean, it was simple to the people that know how to do it. It was okay. simple to the people that know how to do it, but it was like the you know IP address yeah. in the in the internet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know all the technical yeah. jargon, but uh, so uh, <clears throat> it appears that Travis had been unaware of the ease in which with uh, internet use can be traced. Uh, many users are not aware of the tracks that are left behind when they surf the web and visit various websites said David Sobel, the general counsel of the the Electronic Privacy Information Center in Washington. Most users have an illusion of anonymity when they use the Internet, which a case like this demonstrates is not well-founded because there is a there is quite a bit of traceability on the Internet, he said. Sobel said that this is why he supports strengthening the protections already in federal law. 
So the Electronic Communications Privacy Act of 1986 requires federal law enforcement agencies to take various steps to obtain information from the Internet companies. The law requires prosecutors to issue a subpoena or obtain a court order or a search warrant from a judge for certain types of information. Uh, but they didn't do this in his case because it was just so early on. This guy's actually the first serial killer to be caught by the internet. Hmm. Uh, so I just thought this, I just thought that was a little so interesting. Pretty, fact. He's just pretty stupid. Just fucked up. I think that was what was funny is when I get to the details of how smart and you know calculated he was. This was the only mistake he made, and it was a mistake that nobody even knew was a mistake because it was 2002. And you're like, "Well, that's what I mean." Yeah, yeah you just right. like, "Oh, I, mean. I printed it out, send it to him. It's funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. They can't he didn't even know find you would, me. You would be traced that way. Yeah, he okay. basically didn't know he turned himself in when right. he did that because they could trace that. Mm. So that's pretty funny. Uh, there are indications of as many as 20 victims in the St. Louis area, many, many bound with ropes or handcuffs before they were strangled in sudden bursts of, of horrific violence. Four women believed to be victims of Travis still have not been identified. Videotapes discovered in the basement of his home show him with bound victims. In one segment, it appears that he uses a belt to strangle or break the neck of a woman. Ask, what if they had, <laughs> what if they had to contact Microsoft? Uh huh. Then contact. Oh, you gotta contact AOL. Oh, it's probably AOL yeah. <laughs> it was probably all kind of bureaucracy and jumping around and phone calls and all types of shit. Oh, shit. But they got that shit done. That's crazy. It's probably e- way easier now. That's, it's probably oh, yeah. yeah. It's probably a thousand billion times easier. But that's now. crazy for you to be like. You're not thinking like they're not gonna, They can't catch. Yeah, me like I just printed out a sheet of paper and mailed it to them. They don't, they're not gonna. They're not gonna ever figure out this. Nope, wrong. Mm. Uh. Yeah, uh, police technicians said DNA from semen found in two victims links their deaths to Travis. So does a tire track found on one victim's leg. Damn. By the time he died, Travis was charged on two federal kidnapping counts that could have carried the death penalty. Prosecutors in St. Louis and the counties of St. Charles and St. Clair, Madi- uh, Clair, Madison, and Monroe were reviewing evidence against him for possible state charges. In many respects, Travis offers an almost textbook portrait of a serial killer, police say. Cunning and self-indulgent, yet almost invisible in the communities where he lived. And true to form, he victimized people of his own race. So, yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, I feel like, you know, it's pretty, we're all in the true crime community, but as we, most of us know, most serial killers, if not all, uh, kill intra-racially so you know white people kill white people Mexican people kill Mexican people black people kill black people for the most part there are anomalies and you know uh, instances of like hate crime serial killers and all that kind of stuff but for the most part and that's just to do with crime in general that's why I have a, a real bone to pick with like uh, the black on black crime narrative because mm-hmm. black people kill black people white people kill white people you know Mexican people kill Mexican people uh, on average Again, there are anomalies, of course, of people killing outside of their race. But you kill who's close to you. You got a beef with your neighbor, you kill your neighbor. You got a beef with your girlfriend who you are dating and you guys are from the same community. You're both black and you get mad and you kill her. You kill and they're the same race as you. You kill them. That's just how that goes. But there are anomalies, of course. But I don't like that whole narrative because it's like, yeah, black on black crime. If you cram all the black people into an inner city, make it violent, give them no other resources, they give them drugs to sell. They get fired up. They're going to kill the other people that are around them to look like them. That's black on black crime. But if you put any other race in that same situation, the same thing would happen. Yeah. 
That's the point of a ghetto. That's why the Nazis invented it. Anyways, uh, back to my story. You're pretty deep there, bro. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <God damn>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so... So the thing about their own race, yeah. But there are striking differences as well. Police have been unable to find any evidence that Travis's killing spree was uh, preceded by instances of animal abuse and arson, a path known to be followed by many serial killers. Uh, detectives also said they found nothing in Travis's past, such as child abuse or an unusual traumatic relationship with a close family member that might have festered and ultimately triggered the killings. So basically, they're saying... He ended up becoming the serial killer without going through any of the, what do they call it, the McDonough triad? Yeah. Without going through any of the kind of proceedings that typically make somebody into a serial killer. Mm -hmm. Sexual assault, you know, being born with some kind of, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. switch in your brain that's not on and makes you, you know, not empathetic and makes you kill animals or whatever. He had none of those signs in his life. It just all of a sudden he just seemed to just start killing people. Detectives also said they found nothing. Oh, wait, no, I already read that. Sorry. Uh, details of Travis's early life are sketchy. Records show he was born on October 25th, 1965, the son of Sandra and Michael. <laughs> I thought she was about to say him being born on that date is why he fucking went nuts. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> not an astrologist. I'm not into an astrologist. <laughs> Mer- Mercury is in retrograde or anything. I'm not any. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, he, yeah, he's a Sag. So that's why he killed people. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not one of those people. Uh, yeah, Travis lived in the Carr Square public housing complex just northwest of downtown. He attended St. Louis public schools from 1971 to 1975. When he was 10, his family moved to a simple ranch house in Ferguson. Records show his parents divorced in 1978. The record also shows that his mother remarried but divorced again in 1993. A neighbor in Ferguson described Maury described Maury Travis as a quiet, respectful boy who sometimes mowed her lawn without being asked and showed her how to use an electric hedge trimmer. This is basically a bunch of ways of saying, like, uh, he was the nicest person. I, yeah. Yeah, I could, we, you, he was just the nicest person, you know? And every time I hear that in the story, I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knew him by his nickname, Toby, which is... I hate... I hate that name for... Uh, for both for Roots and for The Office. Um, Sierra has a lot of sympathy sympathy for Toby Flenderson, but I read an, uh, a pretty in-depth expose that convinced me that Toby Flenderson was, in fact, the Scranton Strangler. We can talk about that, people, whenever, you know, in, in, in on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, hit me up, and we can discuss it. This isn't the place for it. I'm not going to go into deep details about that, but it made a pretty strong case that Toby Flenderson is, in fact, the Scranton Strangler. Anyway, so his nickname was Toby. Uh, He was a pleasant child with a soft heart. She said, I don't believe he could kill a fly. Other longtime neighbors said they have virtually no recollection of the boy. He was very quiet and withdrawn. So basically, he just really played the wall, didn't make himself super known for good or for bad. He was kind of, for lack of a better term, a nobody. Mm-hmm. And the old ladies in the neighborhood knew him because he was just that kid that was like, I'll cut your grass or whatever. But like kids his age, nothing to say about him. Couldn't remember him. Couldn't tell you anything about him, good or bad. He's probably killing people then. Probably. Know. Nobody knew, you know. Or, or, you know, to say he wasn't, they don't know if he was killing animals. He might have been. Just nobody knew who he was. He right. wasn't weird enough in any any capacity to spike on anybody's radar. Yep. It was like, oh, that's that kid. I don't know. Uh, I think they call him Toby or something. I don't know his name, you know. 
Which is he probably was doing it plain sight. People just didn't even pay it no money. Yeah, exactly. That's a sad life to live. I really feel bad for people who um like I I'm a self described I'm an uh, introverted extrovert. So like if I'm in a room full of people that I know, I feel more comfortable getting being out, you know, uh, uh social and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. if I'm in a room full of people that I don't know, I don't want to talk to you. Yep. Don't come up to me. Uh, you know, if you want to indulge in me and my friends' vibes, I'm all about that. Yeah. But I'm not coming and just spreading vibes to strangers. That's not my thing. Me I like to have a good time with my friends. Mm -hmm. And if that spills over into strangers mm -hmm. and I'm in that bag and like, yeah, man, me and Fran are having a good time. Yeah. What's your name, Mark? Yeah, man, come dance with us. Mm -hmm. But me just in a room, Mark, don't talk to me. Nope. I don't know you. I don't want to know you. I'm good. Nope. Uh, I couldn't imagine just being that all the time. Like where you don't even get to the point where you make the friends. Hmm. Like, I couldn't imagine my high school experience just being, like, miserable and just being, like... Meaning if you were around some people that you're comfortable with, you don't even talk to... You don't even engage with them. Yeah. Yeah. For the most... Well, no, I mean... I'm talking about for him. Oh, for him. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. He... But basically, he's not comfortable with anybody. At all. Yeah. Okay, he he right. doesn't even have a, a friend base. Dang. Yeah. He... It's just nothing. So, everybody thinks he's just a, a weird, yeah, quiet I person. Mean, Everybody needs a friend. Uh, this I really I'm not making excuses for this guy, but you can't just walk through your life just being cynical and being like, "Well, nobody wants to talk to me. They probably hate me before I even talk to them." It's em. the energy it, you're giving off, though. Thousand percent, thousand percent. You hit the nail on the head on that. Sure. <laughs> like you know, but a lot of people internalize it and and, and make it like they just it's them they they don't get me or whatever. And really, it's like no man, you are you are making yourself not likable before you even get a chance to talk to somebody. Yeah. You're 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 pushing people away before they even get a chance to get to know you. Mm. You know, so you got to have self-confidence, man. We're giving out these gems today. Take them or leave yeah. them. So uh records in the Ferguson uh fluorescent school district show he had, he was enrolled in 1981 as a ninth grader at Ferguson Junior High School. By 1982, he was a student at McClure High School. Several students who attended McClure at the at the same time said they cannot remember Travis. If he is pictured in any of the yearbook photographs, he is not identified. So this dude just didn't have a good go of it, man. He just, you know, he just really didn't have a good go of it. Not an excuse for anything that he did, but to just not feel like you have a place in where you are ever, it's kind of sad. It's really yeah. sad. Really sad. To not be, oh, I'm in the chess club or I play football or... I'm a I'm I'm a I'm one of the uh, outsider. He's not even an outsider kid. The outsider kids are like I don't. We don't know him. Yeah, we I mean, smoke our cigarettes on this hill after school. Playing a sport would. It's what you can do to make friends, but he ain't sure. even doing that. He's not doing anything. He's just he's just festering in his loneliness and being like, someday, someday they'll know. He could have been he could have been the kid where, you get all your answers from on a test. I was cool with those people. Yeah, sure. I knew a kid in uh, high school that brought a briefcase to school. Like, that's how he got his books and shit mm -hmm. around. I talked to him every day. Yeah. Because I was like, if he ever shoots the school up, he's going to come up to me and be like, hey, man, why don't you go ahead and go home? I mean, if, and, he, if you give me answers on a test, I mean... That's your home. You're my guy. Yeah, no, you can. We we're eating lunch together. Yeah, we're I'll cool. back you. If you see my best with you, I yeah, got you. I don't get those. Like me, I never met a bully. Yeah. Now I've met people that like might joke on you too hard. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. people that are violent or whatever. But I never met like one singular person who was like, "Oh shit, Topher's coming." It's like, "Hey nerd, did you do my homework last night?" I like, have. I met one of those people before. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just that just was never my experience. So anybody who was cool enough to be like, "Hey man, here's yeah, here's the answers from." 
last night's homework. You can you can check this out. That was just a cool person to me. That was a nice person. It wasn't like I was making them do that or yeah. holding them upside down over a trash can. Like, you better have my homework for me by tonight or give me the test answers. Nah. Like, it was more of like a, yeah, man, whatever. We're cool. You can check this out. It never was a, a, a forceful hand. You going to let me get Dan? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, cool. go ahead. Yeah, slide. Yeah, slide cool. it to me. Hey, keep an eye out for the teacher. You get a couple wrong on purpose. Yeah. You know, do it. Uh, you put C. I'm going to put B on this yeah. one. And then you get like a B minus. And everybody, that's the ecosystem of of, of school. But Leave he wasn't alone. even indulging in that. He just was in the that's corner, crazy. in the corner, just like looking at everybody with disdain. Like, mm. oh, I hate everybody in here. All of you people. You suck. It's not me. It's not my fault that you guys don't talk to me. It's your fault that you guys don't talk to me because you guys just don't even get me. Yeah. And, and growing you, up in our time, you come in there with some, some shacks on. You going to yeah. get it. Again, that, yeah. That makes it worse. Again, shacks come up on this podcast a lot. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> For the record, yes, Shaq's did get the bars heavily in, in, in back in Sorry, the Sorry, man. Kids are cruel. <laughs> and Shaq being his big ass dunking on a shoe, it just doesn't look cool. It does. There's just something not cool about it. His I get his up. reasoning, but I mean. Yeah, it's not the best logo. No. <laughs> it's not the best logo. He could have put a Superman S on there. A lot of other ways he could have gone, but a giant man <laughs> just kind of. D- anyway, <laughs> let's get out of that. Uh <laughs> Uh yeah, so several students who attended his high school were like, "I don't know him. He doesn't even go here." And like, "No, I did. I graduated." Oh, "No, we don't know you." <laughs> uh, by 1987, at age 22, Travis enrolled at Morris Brown College in Atlanta, a school with some 2,000 students and affiliated with the African Methodist Episcopal Church. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's a what is high school. It's college. Okay, I think okay, Morris Bruce Brown is, yeah, is, okay, is yeah, a HBCU. Okay. I believe. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not 100% sure. I believe Morris Brown is a HBCU. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at about this time he would that he would tell a judge later that he became addicted to cocaine. Mm. That's right. In March 1988, while home in Ferguson on a college spring break, he ran into serious law problems. Hooked on what he described as a $300 a day cocaine habit and short on cash, Travis robbed five shoe stores in North and West St. Louis County in an eight-day period in March of 1988. So he was just on his shit. I'm going to get these shoes off and sell them out of my trunk, and I got to make money to support my habit. Yeah. I don't know if I can believe... I know Cocaine is expensive, don't get me wrong. But $300 a day? That's a hefty habit, man. Is the high that that intense? Uh, It had to be. Uh... I've heard, uh, I've never, uh, I've heard that cocaine is, yes, it is, it gets you jazzed well, up. You have to, has to be uh, crazy. Yeah, crazy no, no, serious. no. Yeah, for sure. It's the same thing I said, I, I'll tell you. And it's, it's it's mentioned in here at one point, casually. Not casually, but it's meant. Cocaine and heroin, um, crack specifically, crack and heroin, they must be amazing. They have to be. For you to ruin your life, walk around, a shell of yourself, living on the street, mm-hmm. The high must be immaculate. Try it. Let us know. No, no, no. That's what I mean. It, it, It's that good that it scares me that I would never try it. Whoa. I don't think anybody's us. ever been like casually done heroin and been like, eh, you know, didn't love it. Yeah. Well, I'm I good. mean, I'm sure me and the listeners want to find out. So you give it a try. I'm good. Uh, yeah, you guys can go watch Intervention <laughs> and it'll show you all you need to know about how good heroin is and all that kind of stuff and how it ruins your life. I won't be anybody's guinea pig. Uh, <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, so Joe Spies, who as a St. Louis County police detective arrested Travis based on a car description, said he was respectful and quiet and reserved. He wasn't your typical criminal. Travis pleaded guilty of the robberies in January 19th, 1989, telling the court that he had used a plastic toy gun to steal money to pay for drugs. So this guy was just partying man, living, yeah. living Grand Theft Auto in real life, IRL using plastic guns to rob people. He told the judge he was so strung out that he barely remembered the robberies. At the sentencing hearing six months later, St. Louis County Circuit Judge Stephen Goldman said letters of support seemed to indicate that the crime spree was an aberration in your character, resulting from the drug habit. Travis told the judge he had gone through a drug rehabilitation program and was, quote, clean. I got all that stuff out of my system, he said adding that he was rehabilitated. Mm. On July 5th, 1989, the judge sentenced Travis to 15 years in prison. He was four months from the from his 24th birthday. Also, really quick, I'm going to hit the round of applause on both me and Fran. I will be 27 in April. Fran will be 28 in August. And we have never seen a jail cell a day in our lives. Nope. We have beat every statistic out there. Uh, Fran didn't have a kid until he was well into his 20s. Didn't have a kid at 15. None, none of the stigmas that have clouded us. We have never seen a jail cell. I have had much more than a ticket. Fran the same. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to us because this person on it just four months from his 24th birthday in 1989 became a statistic. And that just has been my goal my whole life. I don't want to be a statistic. I don't want to be dead by 25. I don't want to be arrested by 18. I don't want to have a kid by 16 and be just some piece of data that America uses to categorize black people. Mm-hmm. So shout out to us. Salute to us. I didn't mean to pat ourselves on the back mid story, but when it comes up, I'm never going to um, not give myself credit. And Fran is the, the same. So shout out to us. I mean, his life is rough. Very rough. You know, when I hear stories like this, I think about, you know, if you, if we, you know, when we die, uh-huh. I don't know if I said this before, when we die and we get like a, <laughs> We get like an overview of our whole life uh-huh. from beginning to end. Yeah, I'd be like, I mean, this was bullshit. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Ball this shit up in our life. This was yeah. wasting my time. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, <laughs> like. Yeah. I would be so upset. Like, if you yeah. had feelings after you were dead, I'd be like, this is some bullshit. I didn't. Yeah. My life. My life was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Where was the fun and joy? You know what I mean? Now imagine all that, and you don't get into heaven. You're like, man, my life well, sucked, and you did a bunch of bad shit. Yeah. So you go to hell too. So your life will continue to suck. Yeah. You that you bringing that part up. You should watch the Good Place, man. Hmm. Great show. Probably the is best it, show on television. Show? Oh, yeah, man. it's probably the best show on television. Honestly, just written, well written, very diverse, very good concept. It's about heaven and hell and all this kind of stuff. But it's a comedy. Hmm. It's very good. Okay. It's thirty minute show. Good show. And Kristen Bell, adorable, great actress, funny. <laughs> great show. The Good Place. Good place. Gotcha. And they didn't pay us to do that. Uh, on July 5th, 1989, the judge sentenced Travis. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, two months later, Travis wrote a three-page letter to Judge Goldman from the Farmington Correctional Center. Carefully hand-printed on yellow legal paper, the letter pleaded to the judge to reconsider the sentence. Travis wrote, probably with a feather pen, uh, dipping it in the ink, because it's very, this is like, this is the classiest letter. It's almost like a war letter to your wife, mm. but he wrote it to the judge classily and eloquently describing how bad prison is and how he doesn't deserve to be there because mm-hmm. these people are savages and I'm a man of intellect. Mm. So uh, so he wrote to the judge, he said, uh, daily and hourly, 
Also, at any given moment, I think of taking my life. The conditions here are excruciatingly tormenting, to say the least. Staying in my cell and crying myself to sleep most night, most every night, will not help. But it's also very hard to believe this has happened to me. This whole situation is horrid and phantasmic. If it weren't for such a caring cellmate, I'm very sure I'd I'd have committed suicide at, after my first day here in the, at, at, at oh, I'm sorry. after my first day here at this situation. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> at this institution. Oh. The letter complains of homosexual rapes, cramped living conditions, poor food, a pro uh, a proliferation of drugs, uh, and there's no specific. Although there's no specific claim that he was raped, the mention of the caring cellmate. I don't know. You know, he might have he might have been somebody, you know, hey, man, uh, you look like you're having a hard time in here. You look like you could use a friend. And he's like, yeah, I could use a friend. OK, cool. Put this Kool-Aid on your lips. And from now on, you hold my belt loop and your name's Susie. And he's like, <laughs> OK, cool. Thanks, sir. And that's just his life now. And he's like, my roommate's so caring because <laughs> he doesn't brutally beat me. And he uh, protects he protects me from all the other rapists. But only he rapes me. Mm-hmm. Like that, I've, I got that kind of vibe from it, even though he didn't say that, you know, imp- implicitly straight out. He didn't say that, but I felt like. Yeah, hold, that my, hold my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Do that prison break. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold this right here <laughs> and don't you fucking let it go and smear some of that Kool-Aid powder on your lips. I like I like my lips puckery. Shit, <laughs> it's wild, man. Lock up raw, man. It's a crazy show. Uh, oh, Let's see. Uh. He asked that the sentence be replaced by a 120 or 180 day shock imprisonment, which I didn't look up. I don't even know what that means. Uh, He said, you, sir, are my last hope. Please give me another chance in society, please. And the second please had three exclamation points. So he was serious. Uh, There is no indication that the letter had any impact on his sentence. (laughs) So the judge was like, yeah, okay. He probably gets like 50 of those a day. Like, it's terrible in here. Please. They're raping everybody. I just, I didn't mean it. Please. Yeah. Colby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, wait. This is, this is 2002. Iverson. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no. Kobe was out. It's still Kobe. Yeah. Yeah. 2002. Yeah. It's still Kobe. Uh, Uh, Travis was paroled after. Wait, no, it was 1994. So no, it, Jordan. Nah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's MJ. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was 94. Fading away, yeah, yeah. Shit. Jo- MJ. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, <laughs> um, Travis was paroled after five years and three months behind bars for the robberies, working in the prison janitorial and food service areas. Uh, after he got out, none of his 13 conduct violations were particularly significant, according to a spokesperson. For the Missouri Department of Corrections, so they were they were like, you can have the job; it doesn't matter, you know. Which is good. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of rehabilitation. Like if somebody served their time, they should that shouldn't hinder them from getting a job in the future. Is my belief, unless you are you got uh, sentenced to for bank fraud and you go apply to work at a bank, we're probably not going to hire you. Right. We know what you do around banks. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing. But if you you know robbed somebody. And you want to get a job at Home Depot? What does that have to? What is the correlation? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to like tell them like, well, yeah, I did. I did have an armed robbery in two thousand three. You shouldn't have to tell them that. You know, I feel like once you served your time, your time was served, and you should get to proceed with your life. You don't have. To, you shouldn't have to be constantly reminded that you were a criminal at one point. 
But in this world, it's like once a criminal, always a criminal. And I don't think that's right. But anyway, in this case, he got to go work for the prison system as a janitor, even though he had 13 conduct violations, and they still gave him a job. So that's cool. I think that's a cool little little thing. Uh, Shortly after Travis was paroled on June 14, 1994, he moved into a duplex in the 8800 block of Lucas and Hunt Road. In the years that followed, between two more prison stints on drug-related charges, Travis worked several restaurant jobs. During the summers of 2000 and 2001, he was a waiter at the restaurant at the Mayfair Hotel in downtown St. Louis. A co-worker, Dave Wucher, remembers Travis counseling him on the dangers of drugs. He told me that crack and heroin were the worst thing that God put on this earth. Mm. That's good advice. It is good advice. But then maybe you start to question anything that that person's ever told you if you see him on the news for being a terrible murderer. Well... Still good advice because obviously, I mean, yeah, I guess crack and heroin, crack and heroin's still and, bad no matter what. Yeah, you still shouldn't. And do crack he, and he kills somebody, so that means like, well, he's he's probably done it. Yeah, experienced and that maybe it, and that's he kills what makes somebody. you kill people. Touche. <laughs> yeah, crack and heroin's still bad. Yeah. Well, well, you had that whole thing about you know maybe I should go and test it out, and I was sitting here thinking, I was like, well, I mean, you know, if this guy's saying is if this guy's saying is bad, I mean, what does he know? But then I guess he would know because he's killed people. Yeah. So I won't do it. Yeah. I was, uh, what I was joking anyway. Why would I? What? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was joking too. Yeah. Uh, sure. uh, uh, once, Witcher said, he told Travis about a friend whose car was stolen and later found burned in East St. Louis. He said, Maury told me that East St. Louis was a good place to dump things because there's not many police around. Uh, Witcher said, the bodies of at least four, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the bodies of at least four of Travis's suspected victims were found in East St. Louis. So casually, this guy's like, man, my my friend's car got found burnt up in East St. Louis. And he was like, yeah, it's a good place to dump stuff. Like, there's nobody around there. And four of his victims were found in East St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So ca- this guy, Wucher, all the pieces came together once he saw the news thing about, mm-hmm. you know, him being a murderer. He's like, oh, my God. Like, he, I remember him telling me how you can just dump things in East St. Louis because there's no police around. And I didn't think anything of it. But now... He was talking about bodies. Yeah. And if you think that was crazy, a conversation between Travis and Wucher's girlfriend, Julie Kronick, continues to haunt them to this day. Kronick said she was working as an intern for KDNL Channel 30 News in St. Louis in July 2001 when Travis asked if my station had done a story on the prostitutes getting killed. He said his, he said he had his. I'm sorry, Bert. He said he had friends who knew about bodies getting dumped. She said Travis Travis specifically referred to a serial killer. Chronic says she pitched the story to her boss at the TV station, but it went nowhere after they could find no information about serial killings of sex workers. So she was like, I mean, we did some research. I don't think this is happening. But he knew it was happening because he was doing it. He just had the, the scoop. He had the scoop before it was even news yet. Mm. And again, it comes on the news and you're like, Oh my God, like that's why he was talking about serial killers and his friend heard about serial killers dumping bodies and he, it was him. Yeah. It's like a movie, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It would be three months later before police would say publicly in a post-dispatch story that a serial killer or killers may have been preying on local prostitutes. So three months after she had that conversation, that's when it started to come out like, oh man, there's bodies being found in East St. Louis. So uh, when police with a when police armed with a search warrant finally banged on the door of 1001 Ford Drive the morning of Friday, June 7th, 
Travis was still sleeping. He met them in his underwear, groggy and agitated. He was not particularly an imposing man, not a bodybuilder. He seemed more wiry, but still strong. A very normal average type of guy, St. Louis homicide detective Roy Douglas remembers. Intelligent. It's seven in the morning, Travis grumbled as he uh, met the investigators. Why are you so early? Why are you here so early? You know why we're here, they told Travis, and he just nodded. Mm. So the police showed up. He didn't ask him any questions about what they wanted. He just was like, it's early. And they were like, well, you know why we're here. And he was like, okay. So he dressed hurriedly, he dressed hurriedly and joined the police in the living room on sofas arranged in what police called a kind of conversation pit around a coffee table. It was, they said, a very normal living room, a very normal house. Sachs and FBI profiler, uh, Sachs and an FBI profiler, an expert on the behaviors and questioning of a serial killer, talked with Travis as two other investigators on the case, Douglas and Illinois State Police Special Agent James Walker, waited nearby. As they talked to Travis, his calico cat strolled in, th- strolled in the room, moving from one visitor to another. Each time one of the investigators reached down to pet the animal, Travis stiffened and moved to the edge of his seat. He didn't appreciate that at all, Sachs said. A 22-year-old veteran of the St. Louis Police Department who headed the investigation into the serial killings. At one point, Travis picked up the cat and sat it next to him, out of reach of the investigators. He was like, don't fucking touch my cat. Don't fucking touch my cat. Uh, the, uh, they sat there for another for the next two hours, investigators trying to engage Travis in small talk and Travis deflecting questions one by one. They asked, where did you grow up? Travis would reply, where did you grow up? They would ask, what did you do as a child? He'd say, nothing. Went to school. What did you do? So he was very combative and very, you know, not get letting them get beyond the surface. Uh, he kept trying to redirect everything. Every question, Sachs said. He wanted to be in control. Sachs said Travis never once asked police why they had come, why they were sitting in his house. He never admitted anything, they said, but he never denied anything either. He seemed more interested in how they had been able to find him. He wanted to know what led us here, how we knew who, how we knew he was the guy. Finally, investigators told him about the map. He had, uh, he had, quote, had a problem when he downloaded the map, they told him. Travis cursed, fucking computer. Mm. He said, damn, internet. Eventually, investigators guided Travis outside and into a police car where they continued to talk with him. He agreed to accompany them to the police headquarters downtown. So he's he's dead to rights. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they got him. They have the IP address. It led them to this house. And he's like, oh, well, where are we going? Yeah. So uh, Sachs would sit with Travis in the interrogation room for the next three hours until almost 2 p.m., trying somehow to work his way into Travis's mind, trying to understand what had made him who he was. Sachs asked him about girlfriends. Yes, Travis said. He had dated. He asked him about prostitutes. Yes, Travis said. He had paid for prostitutes. He had been abused as a child, Sachs said. Sachs asked him. No, Travis said. How about you? At one point, Sachs said he talked to Travis about the debate over whether the kinds of crimes Travis was was suspected of committing were inherent or learned behavior. He said, I would never understand, Sachs said. 
He said I was born like this. He said he'd been like this since he could remember. Police said that during the interview, Travis seemed to show genuine affection and concern for only one person, his mother. He seemed very fond of her, Sachs said, but throughout nearly an eight-hour questioning, police said they never saw any remorse, any feelings of guilt, absolutely none, Sachs said. Still, as the evidence against Travis mounted through the day, he often nervously tapped his fingers on the table. They said, you know what we found in the basement, right? And he said, yeah, I knew you'd find it, Travis said. They did not discuss specifics, which included restraints that appeared stained with blood and videotapes which show at least one woman who was among those found dead. Several times as the full realization of what happened, what was happening struck him, Travis dropped his head. I'm toast, he said. I'm toast. Sachs questioned Travis for nearly eight hours before giving, uh, giving way to Douglas and Walker, who immediately began a more direct, more in-your-face confrontational interview that had produced results with past suspects. So basically, they came in, tag-teamed out, and they're like, we're going to be the bad cops. Mm. And he lawyered up immediately. <laughs> they were like, what the fuck is going on, you <laughs> piece of shit? Uh, I'm lawyer. Yeah. And then once you say, you know, you watch First 48, right? Mm. Once they say that, it's like, oh, well, I guess this is over. Yep. So they came in, fucked it up, coming in too hot. Listen here, you maggot. Uh, lawyer. Yep. Lawyer, please. Okay, well. Shut right. that down real <laughs> Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, so just 19 minutes into the interview with Douglas and Walker, police said Travis asked for an attorney, and the interview was stopped. He said, I'm not going back to prison. And three days later, without being questioned by police again, he was dead. A pillowcase pulled over his head and, and his hands tied behind his back in a in a hanging that Clayton police and the St. Louis County Medical Examiner agreed was very odd, but a suicide nonetheless. So he didn't hang himself. No, he said he hung himself, but oh, his hands were tied behind his back and he had a pillowcase around his around his head. But they said it was a suicide. So the hell? Yeah. Um, a woman from Pagedale, whose daughter dated Travis just just a year before all this had taken place, said she could never have imagined that he was what she called a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. He always seemed so happy, so laid back, said the woman who wanted her name withheld. Cause yeah, cause of course she did. Uh, he was the perfect gentleman. I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be on record saying nice things about him. So, <laughs> but I, it was strange. He was a nice guy. We dated for a bit. Uh, so that was my affirmative murder. Uh, the story of mis- the story of Mr. Maury Travis, uh, another one from St. Louis. The last story I did before the Ireland episode was a uh, St. Louis person. So St. Louis, Missouri, low key mm-hmm. is uh, they get shit done over there. You might want to watch your back in, in St. Louis. I mean, it's definitely no California, mm-hmm. but yeah, St. Louis is, you know, mm-hmm, they're getting busy. Uh, Baltimore, low key. No, that's nothing low key about it at all. No. But I was gonna say, uh the the Hey Min Lee story is recircled around because uh the HBO there's an HBO documentary series uh um about Adnan Syed and uh the serial, the first season of serial that everybody fell in love with. That they've gone back into that case. So it kinda put Baltimore back on the map again because that whole thing took place. Uh um, when Serial came out in like 2015 and it took over the world, 175 million downloads, and it took place like in Woodlawn. So Baltimore's back on the map again for that. But yeah, no, St. Louis is, 
I've read a lot of stories in St. Louis that are pretty nuts. Uh, so that was my affirmative murder. And what I really want to do really quick, I know, I don't know, I don't know, that story wasn't super dark, I would say. I mean, it, you know, obviously it was about murder, but I don't want to bum anybody out. But I was out of the country when that terrible New Zealand tragedy happened. So I just wanted to touch on that really quick as a, instead of doing a frazzle fran. Mm -hmm. uh, what I don't want to do is mention that person's name at all. I'm not going to do that because that's what he wanted. And... I refuse to do that. Uh, I uh, I understand that we do a podcast here where um, some people could see us, see what we do is, I don't know, glorifying the killers. I don't think that we try to do that. Uh, if we can help it, even though it's just something we're interested in, uh, we like to talk about these crazy stories. And um, sometimes it can come off kind of like we're interested in the person or something like that. Mm -hmm. But... What happened in New Zealand, that mass shooting was a tragedy, but this person uh, made videos, made manifestos. Mm -hmm. He wanted to become famous for this. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, I want to give a shout out to the prime minister of New Zealand, uh, this lady named Jacinda Ardern. After this attack happened, they have banned assault-style assault uh, rifles from the country. They have made stricter gun laws. Uh, I think it was like something like 15 hours after they will make sure this never happens again in New Zealand if they can help it. And what I want to do right now, if it bumps people out, I'm sorry, but I just really felt a need. I felt compelled to do it because when I found out that this guy was a, a person who like wanted uh, notoriety from this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the next two minutes or so and I'm just going to read off the victims of the shooting mm. just to give them the notoriety that they deserve and say a rest in peace to them and, and send them off because I didn't get a chance to do that because we, we were... A week behind last week so uh <clears throat> uh ada alayan rest in peace to you uh musad ibrahim rest in peace syad milne rest in peace uh lalik abdul hamid rest in peace arib ahmed rest in peace Tariq omar rest in peace Shahid Suhail, rest in peace. Syed Jandad Ali, rest in peace. Harun Mahmood, rest in peace. Faraj Hassan, rest in peace. Mahbub Kokhar, rest in peace. Muhammad Hazik Maud Tarmizi, Rest in peace. Asif Vora, rest in peace. Ramiz Vora, rest in peace. Ansi Alibaba, rest in peace. She was 25 years old. There's people on here that they're kids. There were kids in that place. Uh, Ozai Kadir, rest in peace. Haji Daoud Al Nabi, he was 71. Rest in peace. Ali El Mandi, Ali El Madani, rest in peace. Husna Ahmad, rest in peace. Naeem Rashid, rest in peace. Tala Naeem, rest in peace. Amjad Hamid, rest in peace. Kamel Darwish, rest in peace. Linda Armstrong, rest in peace. Mohammed Imran Khan, rest in peace. 
Mohammed Musid Mohammed Hosen, rest in peace. Hamza Mustafa, he was 16 years old, rest in peace. Khaled Mustafa, he was the father of of uh, Hamza, rest in peace. Uh, Janaid Ismail, rest in peace. Abdel Fattah Qasim, rest in peace. Ashraf Ali, rest in peace. Ashraf Ali Razat, rest in peace. Matula Safi, rest in peace. Hussein Al-Umari, rest in peace. Musa Vali Sulman Patel, rest in peace. Ashraf Al-Mazri, rest in peace. Hussein Mustafa, rest in peace. Munir Saliman, rest in peace. Zishan Raza, rest in peace. Ghulam Hussein, rest in peace. Karam Bibi, rest in peace. Abdul Qadir Elmi, rest in peace. Mohsen Al Harbi, rest in peace. Osama Adan Youssef Quake, rest in peace. Mojamel Hulk, rest in peace. Mohammed Omar Farouk, rest in peace. Mohammed Abdusi Samad, rest in peace. Muse. Nur Awale, 77 years old. Rest in peace. Ahmed Gamaldin Abdel Ghani. Rest in peace. And finally, Zakaria Buya. Rest in peace. Now, I don't really know how long that took, but that was a lot of fucking names. Uh, what happened in New Zealand at that mosque was terrible. And it broke it broke my heart and I had to continue to just have a good vacation. But it was incredibly sad. And uh, I just wanted to make a statement on that and just say something and say my piece. And, and I hope they find their way to peace and happiness and wherever they are. And uh, I don't really have anything else to add after that. Uh, Fran? No. OK. Uh, well, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Until next time. I'll see you next week. Deuces. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's Culture Rated Collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.